Hi, everybody. Welcome to Truck Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek Voyager Season 1, Episode 3, Parallax. Uh, but before we get to that, I'd like to make a correction about Caretaker, the uh, previous episodes. Uh, we said that Mark is Janeway's husband, and it turned out it was her fiancé. Oh, they hadn't even gotten to tie the knot before she left. That makes it even more tragic. <laughs> that, I mean, it's it's between that and the puppies. Yeah. What What is more tragic? Uh, I guess so. it's the puppies. Yeah, I wonder she'll, if they are never concerned. get to see those puppies grow up. No, or will she? We don't know. We don't know. We'll find out. But I wonder uh, if, if they were a little concerned, like, if we have her be married, we can't take as much, you know, kind of creative leeway with the character or something. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, if she gets involved romantically with someone, you know. Hmm. Just, you know, saying. We'll see, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, Parallax uh, originally aired January 23rd, 1995. Wow. Yeah, again, I'm totally blown away. That's right, we're revisiting this after, what, was it almost 20 years? Over 20 years? Almost almost 20 years. Um, you have some info about uh, who wrote this and stuff. Yeah, so Parallax uh, takes place star date 48439.7. It was written by Brannon Braga, uh, who should be no stranger to Trek fans, a uh, prolific uh, Trek writer uh, and kind of uh, overseer of all things Trek on TV. Um, he's actually currently the creator of uh, a new kind of genre show called Salem about the Salem witch trials uh, ostensibly. It's actually not historically accurate. But <laughs> anyways, I digress. Uh, but it's a it's a Brandon Braga uh, screenplay. Uh, it was directed by Kim Friedman, uh, who ended up doing two other Voyager episodes and um, about seven episodes of DS9, uh, which she had worked on before this. Uh, interesting bit of trivia uh, Brandon Braga actually wrote this episode before he had seen the pilot and before he had seen any of the actors um, actually playing their roles as these characters. <laughs> so um, apparently after he saw uh, the finished version of Parallax, he uh, remarked that basically it wasn't anything like he envisioned it, but it was still good in his opinion. So. We'll be the deciders of that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, let's get to the, the episode itself. Uh, we open up, smash open. Lieutenant Carey, he's injured. Uh, we're in sick bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Lieutenant Carey, he's kind of a Miles O'Brien-y type of character. Yeah, and did we see him at all in, in the two-part pilot? No, I, I didn't even know who he was initially. Right. Because he's, well. he's just like random engineer who gets engineer, uh, gets injured by, uh, mm-hmm. Bilana Torres. As we find out, right? Um, yeah, Tuvok and Chakotay are observing him in sick bay, and the doctor is being awesome as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where we get to see, the kind of fight between the Maquis and the Federation uh, people. The Maquis feel like they're not going to be respected or trusted with, uh, you know, important responsibilities. And uh, they kind of hint at a possible coup. Mm, Right. Yeah, there's a discussion between uh, some of the Maquis crew members and Chakotay. uh, And it actually 
made a note about that um, because they they start discussing mutiny. Right. And but, uh, but Chakotay won't hear any of that. Right. I, I wrote down Chakotay ain't got time for mutiny. <laughs> Very true. Um, it's interesting to note uh, we see a Bajoran scientist mm-hmm. um, here. Uh, she will play a larger role later. No spoilers. Um, and we also see the Maquis rank insignias. Right. That's uh, what those are. Yeah. They don't have the pips. Uh, they mm-hmm. have like this oval insignia, which is uh, it's a Starfleet uh, provisional officer insignia. Oh, okay. So they've kind of been granted provisional status as members of the crew. Right. Mm. Yeah, they're definitely, you know, one takeaway I had from this that we can talk about more later, but this is so, this episode, and, and maybe it's as we keep revisiting these, it's going to be a running trend, but, but they're so focused on this dynamic between the Maquis and Starfleet. Yeah. Like it it's like the pivotal part of the show at least uh, in the first couple episodes so far. Uh and then yeah, you can kind of see this play out in uh granted it's a totally different creator, but Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. where you have the military and the civilians kind of fighting. Right, right. And and you know, it kind of it's it's a different creator but still a a trek person. Yeah, I mean, uh as we mentioned last episode, and as has been mentioned several times, uh, a lot of people see Battlestar Galactica as Ron Moore's version of what Voyager should have been in his, mm-hmm. from his point of view. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll we'll see as we watch more of these how we feel about that. <laughs> because I know we've both watched, you know, a lot of uh, BSG, uh, and now we're getting through this. Um, so Chakotay and Tuva kind of argue well not argue but they have a discussion as what they should do with torres uh tuvok says they should hold her in the brig obviously they can't hold her in the brig for the entire trip mm-hmm. uh, which i think is going to be 75 years or something at this point yeah at maximum okay. warp right okay um and then she visits torres in her quarters and says i want to make you chief engineer so you can't start punching people all the time mm. uh then the opening credits yeah. And the music is still great. Yes. <laughs> I, I still sit through those credits because I really like that music. Yeah, it was actually, uh, ever since we did the first episode of the cast last week, I've been kind of occasionally hearing the music in my head now that I'm watching the show again and humming it and, you know, much to the chagrin of those around me. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that it's not exactly the most popular theme among Trek fans, but um, I don't care. I still like it. Yeah, well, this is definitely not the most popular Trek show either. Mm-hmm. Maybe they associate it, you know, with they can't separate the show from the theme or something. But uh, when we come back after the credits, uh, Voyager, the Voyager senior officers are having a meeting, mm. and uh, they need routine maintenance on Voyager, uh, the ship itself. Uh, Neelix and Kess show up for some comic relief, and I'm just so annoyed by them at this point. Ugh, Neelix. I mean, Kess kind of, she, she has this line where she says something, you know, to the effect of, we have some really good ideas. Like, well, how do you know they're really good ideas? <laughs> I mean, they might be to you, but yeah, Neelix is, is, you know, he has this whole thing about, well, I'm the senior, you know, member of my species on the ship. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I 
go, go sorry, continue, but I have a I had an observation here about Kess, actually. Oh, go ahead. Well, it's it's more about Kess and Paris. Um there's a mention that there are uh I think Neelix says something about, oh well, there aren't enough seats for everybody. Um, and that's, you know, Janeway says, well, this is a meeting for senior officers and blah, blah, blah. We just talked about that. But I, I noticed that they're starting to, I want to say, I think it was intentional that they're kind of starting to plant some seeds for something involving Paris and Cass, or maybe just Paris is just a, you know, a, a ladies man and he's just, you know, it wants to do whatever he can for any pretty lady, but he ends up giving up his seat to Cass. Yeah, I think he's just a ladies' man. Yeah, he's just kirking it up. Yeah, because they kind of established Kess and Neelix have a thing going. Right, I mean, there's that. And, I mean, maybe I'm just reading ahead because I remember some of, you know, the show from when it first aired. But um, I'm, I was kind of wondering, oh, is this like a, is this some foreshadowing of something here? But... He's just a really nice guy. He's a gentleman. <laughs> he is, that uh, Paris. Uh, during this meeting, Chakotay... Pushes to get more Maquis members to, you know, higher responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paris is ordered to train as the doctor's assistant. Because, oh, boy. Because they can't just rely on the EMH, because as they notice, he can't leave sick bay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on the field, they need someone to take care of medical uh, right. issues. They're going to go on away missions or, or whatever. Or they need some uh, some help in the, another part of the ship. Exactly. Can't you can't just uh, drag those people to sick bay. Although mm-hmm. they do have transporters. They so. get transport. Yeah. Um, then Voyager encounters a quantum singularity. Mm, right. And there's a lot of shaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually read that the director uh, Kim Friedman sent a. Uh, a real, like a video mixtape, if you will, to the cast uh, before she even met them, saying, "Here's how I had people shake around on uh, on DS9. I want you to learn how to do this for this episode." <laughs> there was uh, some intense shaking later, with like one crewman was like doing backwards rolls and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a whole lot of sh- <laughs> shaking going on on the the uh, on the Voyager. Yeah, it was getting a little a little comical mm-hmm. uh, in the amount of shaking that was going on. Uh, anyway, they find this quantum singularity. They see a ship out by the event horizon. Mm-hmm. They try to hail it. Can't get any, you know, information across. And they, they can't make it out either. They yeah, they can't. Like, visually identify it. Yeah, Helix they... doesn't seem to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Janeway is like, oh, well, Lieutenant Carey, my go-to guy, mm-hmm. you, you take care of this. And uh, Chicote is, of course, pushing for Torres to get more, uh, to take charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Kess has a little mission to start a hydroponics lab in uh, a cargo bay. Right. Cargo bay 2. I mean, right. In case yeah, you're cargo wondering. bay 2. Uh, yeah, so she goes to the to sick bay to get some soil samples from the doctor. Because he's. <laughs> I thought that was just kind of silly. Like, oh, of course, the doctor's just going to have these soil samples on a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't they have science labs for this? Yeah. Why? Medical Bay has dirt in it? Like, what's going on? Anyways, I digress <laughs> yet again. Anyway, yeah. So it's it's just an excuse to get the doctor involved. 
Oh, of course. I Then I fully support it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then she notices that the doctor is shrinking. Mm. Yeah, and my initial thought with that, so they, they show that basically he's actually a bit shorter than her, and she's pretty short. Um, and I thought maybe they were starting, they were trying to imply that he adjusts his height to kind of be more kind of one-on-one with the patients or something. And I was like, that's kind of a weird little like nugget of information, I guess about (laughs) how the hologram works, but it turned out that wasn't the case. No, we do get an extensive bit of expositional dialogue about how the doctor works, Mm -hmm. about how he has all these different doctors, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, reports and everything and yeah it was was it something like you know like hundreds of books or thousands of books and and like 47 different medical officers i didn't mind that actually because i find the doctor kind of fascinating and he actually to me he's starting to feel a bit like a kind of like a almost a data-like character yeah, his, it's the Pinocchio. It's like, well, he doesn't mm-hmm. want to be a real boy, quote unquote. No, but no, he has is, his own things going on. But though. it is kind of like the Spock or Data, where they don't understand being human, but they're mm-hmm. kind of learning to be human. Well, I have a, and I have a note that I made that that really stood out to me was there's also this interesting thing going on with him being sort of a second class citizen. Or a second class member of the crew. Oh yeah, definitely. And that there's probably gonna, you know, you might mention more of this later, but uh, as we go further into the episode, but I mean, Kess is actually really nice to him. Um, but it's already been sort of established that the rest of the crew kind of treat him like crap. Yeah, they really do, and they have no time to fix him uh, because he is shrinking. It's something wrong with the hollow emitters or something. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, they just and they they just don't feel it's like important, right? So I mean, I guess well, I mean, think about it. Like, how would you feel if? Well, I mean, I mean there are a lot of other things to be worried about, right? Like much higher priority. But I mean, if something like if Siri on your phone or whatever started <laughs> telling you, you know, oh, you know, I need to be fixed, but you've got other stuff going on. I mean, or how would you treat something like Siri? Like you're not gonna treat Siri like it's a you know, a, a person, mm-hmm. even though the doctor clearly is, I, I mean, I'm hoping we learn more about this as the series goes on. The doctor clearly has some sort of AI going on and he's, yeah, he's definitely learning. And, uh, he's not just a program. You really see Kess breaking through his shell in mm-hmm. this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he visibly becomes nicer to Kess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did notice that. But I just love how he, he kicks in with the, so it begins, every little mundane thing, you're going to come run into the doctor. Well, that's why that's what makes the doctor the best, is his yeah, terrible attitude. Yes. So, anyways. Uh, meanwhile, Voyager is trying to create a tractor beam to get this other ship away from the event horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Janeway is... She speaks with Torres in uh, Janeway's ready room about being a chief engineer and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, Torres is like a super two-dimensional, angry teenager at this point. She's just angry. That's her only character trait. Right. I mean, it is... 
kind of extreme. I mean, we've seen a full-blooded Klingon. Yeah. Well, we've seen, actually, we've seen full-blooded Klingons. We've seen Worf and how he acts. Uh, he definitely has anger issues. But her seem quite extreme. Her, um, and and I, she does, like you said, she acts almost like a angsty teenager. Mm-hmm. Other, rather, other, uh, rather than an adult. Yeah, she's just, it's like, super defensive about everything. And mm-hmm. just, yeah. And then she basically storms out like a teenager. And it's just... Mm-hmm. She doesn't... She basically, like, just blanks out the captain of mm-hmm. the ship. And is basically says, like, uh, she didn't want anything to do with Starfleet then, and she doesn't want anything to do with Starfleet now. Right. Or she's she's sorry she has to have anything to do with Starfleet. Yeah, and it's kind of like, oh, I didn't want to be chief engineer anyway. <laughs> right. So there. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It, it was, it wasn't great. I don't know if it was, wasn't great writing or it wasn't great acting, but it was just something that felt off and kind of humorous to me in the way mm-hmm. it was performed. Yeah, it was definitely. I felt it was extreme. Yeah, like it was all over the top. <laughs> over the top. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And it's definitely, you know, they're like I said. uh a minute ago, they're they're focusing so much on this Maquis Starfleet rift, um, and I guess they're maybe trying to use Balana as a like a representation of that on a on a single person level, um, and you know I really felt in this episode, um, and maybe we can talk about it after talk about the plot, but I really felt like. My what I as a viewer, what I was more interested in, much more interested in, is the idea that they're in another quadrant of space. Yes. And what kind of weird stuff are they going to run into out here? And so far in this episode, basically their their whole kind of issue that they're having to deal with is just a scientific one. Like there's a quantum singularity. Yeah, it's just it's a very standard Star Trek episode. Uh, well, I mean, we could talk about it now. I mean, we're talking about it. It's, it's a filler episode, basically. And it's episode two, three, technically, of the show. And yeah. It's kind of like they're already just kind of doing this bottle episode where, you know, no, no new aliens, nothing. It's just mm-hmm. a quantum singularity. Yeah, I mean, the show, like you were saying, it's about exploring a new quadrant of space. It's called Star Trek Voyager for a reason. Mm-hmm. And... Their voyage is just kind of boring in this episode. But anyway, uh-huh. uh, back to the plot. Uh, quantum Singularity is making people sick on the ship. Uh, Janeway says, we got to go to uh, the Illidaria system. Illidarius? Oh, Illidaria. That's how it is. The <laughs> okay. Illidaria system, which is what uh, Neelix suggested earlier in the uh-huh. episode, because they have advanced technology and could you know, create a good tractor beam to get the ship out of the singularity. Oh, right. I think I might have missed that. Like, why am like, why is he suggesting they go there? They need something. Yeah. Oh, right. They just have better tech. So we, mm-hmm. we hear about another alien race. We never get to see them though. They're heading towards Illidaria. Uh, and then they encounter the singularity again because it turns out they're trapped in it. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Trapped in a singularity with you. <laughs> exactly. They're trapped in the closet of a singularity. There you go. <laughs> uh, with Space R. Kelly. Yep. 
Um, that would have made this episode way more interesting. It's like Space Lincoln. Space Lincoln comes back, and they're trapped in there with him. So Janeway calls a senior, another senior officer's meeting. We got to see a lot of meetings in this episode. So let me just put that out there. <laughs> we see a lot of the same sets. I mean, like you said, it's a bottle episode. They didn't mm-hmm. want to spend any more money. So mm-hmm. uh, they have another meeting, and both Lieutenant Carey and Torres are called to the meeting to represent engineering. Uh, and Lieutenant Carey thinks very inside the box. That's what we learn is that he does everything that a Federation officer would do. But uh-huh. Torres, Torres, she thinks outside the box and is on the same wavelength as Janeway. Conveniently. Yes. <laughs> to the extreme. Yeah. Yet again, they're, they actually complete each other's sentences, each other's thoughts. Yeah. And Janeway is like so excited. This is the most excited we've ever seen her. Like she's having this moment. Like she's finally like her, her eyes just open. It, yeah, she was, it was just, it was again over the top. But anyway, it was kind of funny. It was actually kind of funny. Uh, the Paris gets a great line where he's just like, "Am I making any sense, or does anyone know what I'm talking about?" He was conf- he acted as the audience, mm-hmm. and so Janeway had to explain it to him, right? And thus like, explain oh. it to us. Yeah, right. Uh, the techno babble here is getting kind of extreme. Can you please explain this to the viewers, Captain? Exactly. Um, so Janeway and Torres come with an answer. Or a, a solution to getting out mm-hmm. of this singularity. Uh, Jane, a possible solution. Janeway, again, know. she's like, you know, she can do it all. Yeah, you know, we talked about that last episode, and I noticed that this time, too. Like, she clearly has this understanding of quantum mechanics to the point where it's almost like her idea, or <laughs> she totally knows what Bellana is talking about. Where it's basically like Bolana suggested, but then Janeway's like, "Oh yeah, I had that exact same idea." I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, and here's how we could do it. It's like if you had, the, we're thinking the same thing. Why didn't you mention it? Yeah, it's like you really. It was it that important to see if Bolana could be chief, you know, uh, engineer material that you sit on this great idea. Like, <laughs> were you going to ever bring it up, Captain? Um, so, yeah, they release warp particles to, uh, open the crack that they slipped through to get to the singularity in the first place. Because obviously, oh, right, yeah. they, they got to the singularity somehow. It turned out they had accidentally, uh, fallen through. Mm-hmm. Fallen through the icy pond or whatever. Their whole icy oh, pond. Right. <laughs> I'm like, wait, where metaphor. is this going? You're under the ice and you look up and you see, like, what? You see the reflection and you think it's another ship but it's actually the same ship i can imagine kind of like brandon braga is trying he's like got this idea and he's trying to visualize it in a way the odd like non-scientifically minded audience is going to understand and he's just like okay i think i think this will work (laughs) it's an icy pond you know Mm, yeah they slip through the ice or something and crack in the ice and then you look up and you're like oh it's me oh oh no it's a reflection (laughs) um so they need a deck young beam to make this crack bigger, because Voyager's not going to fit through it. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't use Voyager itself, because using uh, the warp drives would close the crack more. Right. Or something. Something. Anyway, they'd be they trapped need, in there forever. They need a shuttlecraft. They need an excuse to get 
Torres and Janeway alone together so they can have conversation. <laughs> right. They can have some one-on-one time. Yeah. So despite the fact that Tom Paris is supposedly the best pilot, uh, Janeway is piloting the shuttlecraft. Because she does everything. <laughs> she's she's very skilled. Mm-hmm. So they have one-on-one time, and it turns out, oh, Torres wasn't that terrible a student. And actually, professors liked her and wrote in her permanent record that she's great. Yeah, she's basically welcome back to Starfleet Academy. Yeah. Or at least that this one professor that Janeway knows said that he would recommend her um, if she ever wanted to reapply. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a more justification to the audience that, hey, Torres is actually, you know, good at mm-hmm. her job. Uh, which, I mean, she is, but also Janeway could do that job, apparently. Right. <laughs> and not do it nearly as angrily. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they use the shuttlecraft to break through or to widen the crack. Uh, as they're flying back, they see two Voyagers. They see Voyager mm. and its reflection, and they're like, which one? Mm-hmm. Which one is the real one? And they have to talk about it. And this is where we see the end of Taurus's arc, because she actually listens to Janeway without fighting her. Right. There's a little moment there where you think, oh, boy, you're being pretty mouthy to the captain, Torres. Yeah, but then she thinks better of it and shuts her mouth. She knows her role and shuts her mouth. And, oh, good. And uh, listens to the captain. Because why are you with Janeway? She knows everything. Right. <laughs> Janeway could have just gone. I mean, technically, she could have just gone out in the shuttlecraft by herself. Right. But- or probably Paris could have flown out there and just <laughs> taken instructions from the bridge. But. They needed time to... It was very forced. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) So Janeway, of course, picks the right Voyager. Uh, And then we see the exchange of gifts, so to speak, uh, between the two characters. Janeway's like, we got to punch through, which is something that Torres would say, right? Mm. So we see that Torres learned something from Janeway about being more mellow. But Janeway learns something from Torres about having to take action sometimes. Yeah. So they use Voyager to ram their way through, and uh, they escape the singularity. And uh, the episode ends with uh, supposedly your, I mean, ostensibly humorous moment that I thought was really dumb. Oh, with the doctor. Yeah. Where he's tiny. Because they never fixed him. Right, because he's worthless. So, yeah, Paris goes in because Paris is like, all right, I'm going to be your assistant. Oh, you're tiny. No. Mm. And then Paris says something about, I've got a scratch? And he has this cut on his finger. I'd like to know more about where (laughs) that came from. Did he do it on purpose? Was he testing the doctor? (laughs) It's like, I want to learn your skill. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just more of the doctor has to take care of menial tasks uh, Mm -hmm. a cut on a finger yeah uh did you did it seem a little odd to you i mean besides the fact that the doctor is now this tiny little person in a chair uh that his voice is higher yeah like that didn't make any sense because it was just the visuals the, right. the hollow emitters that were broken. Not the audio portion of things. So shouldn't he just have had the same voice? Yeah. It, I mean, clearly they were just going for comedy there. But uh, as a 
you know, a science and uh, technology-loving track fan, I was pretty quick to notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just for the comedy. Um, actually, before this, uh, Belana Torres is formally made chief engineer. Oh, yeah, right. That kind of was the whole point of the episode. Yeah, and... Uh, basically. And she makes peace with Lieutenant Gary. Mm-hmm. Who's, who seems really okay with, after all that they've been through, <laughs> just saying, like, I will basically do whatever you say and do my best for you. He's a nice guy. He's, well, yeah, yeah. He, you know. He's just, you know, he, he joined Starfleet to be an engineer, and he can still be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Just with an awful Maquis in charge or something. <laughs> well, no, hopefully. He seemed okay with that. Hopefully she doesn't deck him again. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was just a little worried that... Apparently there's no human resources in the future. No. <laughs> maybe there's a... Hol- maybe we're going to see as we continue watching that there's a holographic human resources <laughs> officer who has to deal with these things. Like, maybe holographic doctor is going to have to go talk to holographic human resources. <laughs> or wait, would he have to go talk to... Hol- the holographic holographic human resources right because maybe there's like a secondary human resources officer that just has to interact just to interact with holographic crew members it'd be holographic resources <laughs> right because they're not human clearly that's right <laughs> um yeah this episode uh like you said it was a filler and was super boring as a result and yeah it was basic it was it was like it was a throwaway episode basically i mean the biggest thing that happened in it was that you had some minor character development with torres to the you know extent that she got promoted and and made the uh chief engineer uh chief engineering officer and she learned to chill out yeah or did she i mean we're gonna find out i'm guessing that the the anger issues are gonna resurface hopefully it's not to the the level of the yeah. petulant teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a it was a filler episode, and, and again, I'll say it was a little strange to have what amounted to a filler episode, like basically two episodes into the show. Yeah, that's this new show. really weird. Um, you would think that after the first two parter, you're like, okay, we're gonna set the tone of the show. They're gonna go mm-hmm. explore this new region of space. But no, we're just see weird new stuff. But it's you know the quantum singularity idea. I mean, or just the general idea of having you know a mirror image of the ship. I mean, that's happened in original series. It's happened in uh, next generation. I mean, it's pretty much happened ever- everywhere in Trek. I mean, you had uh, Tomorrow's Enterprise and one of the coolest episodes I think of Next Generation. Um, you know where they encounter another Enterprise. Um, and it's yeah. I mean, it's kind of like I've seen this before. Um, I I don't care really care about any of these characters except for the Doctor yet. Um, so th- to- I think that was why they chose this particular episode for the next one, though, is they mm. wanted to develop the characters. Because we didn't really get a sense of who Torres was in the first two-parter. Yeah, she was just a, she was just like a human, um, human Klingon. Yeah. And that was about it. Yeah, that's all we knew about her. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they do a lot of that on Trek where they... You know, they devote a whole episode to furthering the character of... And it's one of the things I like about Star Trek is that they really, you know, at least in, in Next Generation onward, they they devote a lot of time to developing the characters. Mm-hmm. 
Because there's always like, oh, you know, that was a Data episode, or that was a Picard episode, or, you know. Right. So here, we just happen to get a Torres episode right off the bat. (laughs) Well, I mean, they do need to fill the chief engineer slot, and they need to, Mm -hmm. you know, they need to fill other roles. Um, And we, at least we did get a little sense of there's some uneasiness between the Maquis and Starfleet officers. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, where is this going? What is this setting up? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I understand why they did this episode from a character standpoint. From a plot standpoint, it just doesn't make any sense to start, a, like you said, a bottle episode so early on in the season. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe now that it's out of the way, I, obviously I looked ahead a little bit and... Uh, saw not uh, plot wise obviously i don't want to you know pre spoil myself i guess i don't want to spoil myself in general uh on the series uh from what i don't remember but i do know um i was looking at the concept of bottle episodes in star trek and it does seem that for a show that ran you know multiple seasons seems like maybe you know there aren't that many of them so hopefully we're not going to get any more of this kind of we're not going to see any more of this cheap junk <laughs> anymore in season one at least yeah I where they have no new sets well i guess the shuttle craft but they probably took that from next generation mm-hmm. there's hey guys got a shuttle laying around you could throw our way mm-hmm. but i mean i'm still i'm still on board <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't lost me yet but this episode felt like it was trying to lose me a little bit yeah it's uh it's just it's a very weird episode to follow up the uh, premiere with mm-hmm. but you know maybe the next episode i haven't looked at anything beyond this uh mm-hmm. i'm gonna just keep it fr- completely yeah me too fresh for me uh whenever i watch it yeah, there are definitely a couple of episodes that I remember pretty well. I think one of them is in um, season one, and one of them maybe is in season two. That you know, I'm kind of, I'm actually really looking forward to them, um, just because. Well, I thought they were kind of. I don't think they were intentionally funny, but I found them to be hilarious. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we get to them, though. Yeah. But other than that, I, I have very little memory of of major things that happen on the show. Yeah, I, so that's part of what is making this fun. I mean, I had, I've completely forgot about parallax altogether. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so it, from that standpoint, it was nice to, you know, see a new Star Trek episode or a mm-hmm. new for me, Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just a weak episode overall. Uh, it did a little character development, but, are they characters I really want to see developed? Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still, they're obviously still trying to find their footing with these characters at this point. I mean, like you said, the episode had been written before the cast had been seen, you know? <laughs> right. So I wonder how many others are like that. I'm actually having kind of, I'm having fun and, and I hope it's it's adding to the experience to look at some of the interesting trivia about the, each episode. So if people like that, we'll keep doing it. Yeah, that's uh, it's nice to have little tidbits on a show that's you know, uh, like twenty years old. So mm-hmm. so it's, oh. they're not really spoilers, but you know. No, and I think you know maybe you know if people who are listening, uh, who remember the show really vividly and are just 
listening because they want to hear someone else's take or see if we agree with them. I mean, maybe they'll find that kind of thing interesting. I don't know. But um, as we keep as we keep going with the show, I hope that people start interacting with us and letting us know what their thoughts were. Like, you know, do you agree? Do you agree that this was kind of a weak episode? <laughs> not agree. Was it your favorite episode of all of Voyager? If so, uh, we need to talk. <laughs> Bottle episodes are always my favorite episodes. Right. So. Um, yeah. I mean, if you'd like to reach us, you can do so on Twitter. Um, I'm at V Justin Chang and that's Chang with an E. And I'm at Danger Penguin. Um, next week, we're going to talk about episode four, Time and Again. Ooh, that sounds like it could be an alternate title for Parallax. <laughs> That's true. Hmm. I hope it's not just the same episode. Yep. What happened is it's another time problem and we just see the same episode again. <laughs> We've been caught in the quantum singularity. <laughs> And we end up rewatching the same episode. That's what we're going to, if we ever make a mistake, we're just going to blame Quantum Singularity. There's always that, a Quantum Singularity. Is that a good deal? Yeah. Yeah, all along. But, um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's the show. Yeah, we'll uh, talk to you next week. 